What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. Joining us today's Halftime Snack is a man with great knowledge in math and finance. He holds a bachelor's in actuarial science in economics. He worked three years as an actuarial analyst at Allianz Life. And he then left his job to found Symbol, which is the sports stock exchange back in September 2020. This platform actually allows sports fans to profit off their sports knowledge by investing in virtual shares of teams and trade those uh, shares with others in the market. So it's a really cool project, something disruptive, something new, something that I've never came across. So I'm happy to uh, introduce you guys, ladies and gentlemen, Kenneth Giles. Kenneth, welcome to the Halftime Snacks, mate. How are you? Thank you very much for having me, Ronan. I appreciate it. I'm excited to do uh, to dive deeper into Symbol and talk a little uh, sports business with you. Yeah, absolutely, mate. The way we start the halftime snacks is that we first throw in a, f- a fast icebreaker to see how you break it. Um, so uh, the one I have for you is what's your favorite fast food, fast food restaurant of all times? Okay, so this one, uh, this is going to be regional. So I'm from, from the Midwest United States. We have a, a fast food restaurant called Culver's. It's, it's, it's similar to a McDonald's or a Burger King or one of those big, it's a, it's a burger joint, but they have the best frozen uh, ice cream custard in the entire world. Unbelievable. Every time I go on a road trip, uh, we're stopping at Culver's. Culver's. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to write that down. Thank you for sharing that. And that also uh, shares a little bit more about you and about who, where you came from and who you are. So, but maybe, yeah, maybe let's talk a little bit more about you a little bit before uh, we get into the whole projects and stuff. Um, you worked in Allianz for three years, which is insurance, and now you switched to sports. But maybe, maybe tell us a little bit more about that transition uh, from working at, a, at that industry and that, at that company. How do you compare sports and insurance specifically in your, in your background? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the, the short answer is they're very, very different worlds, right? <laughs> uh, uh, insurance is this old, archaic model that's been around for thousands of years, really slow moving. And sports is a fast changing, exciting environment with a lot of content creation, all that stuff. So completely different. But uh, my background as an actuary uh, for an insurance company, uh, my specialty was designing financial insurance products. So annuities, uh, investment vehicles, life insurance. So really background oriented and, and financial instruments. Uh, but I've always had a love for sports, uh, fantasy sports, sports gambling, right? Kind of the analytical side of sports. Uh, I was an athlete growing up, but I was always a lot smarter than I was athletic. Um, so using the, the statistical side um, to really be involved in sports is always something I wanted to do. Um, so the transition, honestly, from, you know, my background in investing to sports was, uh, you know, taking the knowledge I had in the financial industry, but combining it with my passion, which has always been my passion, which is, which is sports and, and fancy sports and sports gambling. Yeah, I love that because that's it's very related to what I do. And I do have also a, a background at finance. It's what I studied. Um, but I also love this like side of sports and, and, and analytics, as you said. And I'm, I'm big on like technology, which we're going to be discussing much further. And so 
content is one of like the ways that I try to like uh, express that. And and I guess that you you had like similar uh, let's call them like uh, like this impulse that you had to like express your love and your passion for for sports. And I wonder like how the idea came about of of symbol, like how exactly you guys came up with it, or how or what you saw at one moment during your time at insurance that you're like okay, like I need to express my my passion and love for sports through something. And then symbol was the answer. Like how exactly did it happen? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as I as I sort of alluded to, uh, I've been sports gambling for a long time. I you know. With, with a background in statistics and finance, I built my own statistical models to try to beat the sports book. And it actually started while I, I was losing a bet on an NFL game. So I had bet, um, <laughs> this was, this would, this would have been 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Bengals were playing the Patriots um, and the Bengals were like one in 14 at the time. And I actually bet on the Patriots to, to cover, uh, excuse me, bet on the Bengals to cover against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And in the first quarter, they were down like 28 to zero. And I was sitting there. I'm like, I am such a moron. Like, why would I bet on the Bengals? They're one in 15. Like, I was I was sitting there fuming for the entire game. There's no way to beat the sports books. There's no way to beat the sports books. This is ridiculous. Why would anyone bet? Like, this is the most ridiculous thing in the entire world, right? It's kind of a degenerate sports gambler. What they yeah. do about it. they make a bet and then they're complaining about it. And then I started thinking about this. And I'm like, I have a background in, in stocks. I have a background in investing. I worked for an investment firm. I was like, why is there not a stock market for sports? Like, I know I'm better than 50% of the sports gamblers out there able to uh, be able to, to beat them, essentially. Um, and that's where the idea really came from, creating this stock market for sports to decentralize the, called the sports gambling industry or, or disrupt the sports gambling industry through a peer-to-peer market that allows more fans to profit off their sports knowledge. Because that's what I was looking to do as a sports fan. I was looking for fun ways to engage with teams to, you know, use some money to, to, to try to make some money. And that's where the idea of symbol really came about. And does the pain itself of symbol is just trying to get people to to see this as a as an investment to to have it as a like an alternative betting uh, method, let's call it, or was or was like a different pain that you like started when like when when you started like discussing it with peers and friends and like family and stuff like you start seeing that there was more more to it like there was more like core uh need or pain that you you were up to something you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so i think there were two uh really big things that we were trying uh trying to solve uh with, with the sports gambling side of it so first is as i talked about the vig of the sports book so if you go place a, a bet on a sports book you're paying that 10 big or the the five to 10% mm-hmm. big to the sports book to be able to, t- to take that bet. That's a pain point for a lot of people because it's a really high transaction cost in today's day and age. Um, so one mm-hmm. of the things that we were trying to do with Symbol is to lower those transaction costs to create a better opportunity. The other thing that we were trying to solve was introduce longer term opportunities in the sports gaming market. So right mm-hmm. now in the sports gambling market, I would say 95 plus percent of bets are focused on single game wagers. Where right. at the end of at the end of a game, either there's a binary outcome, either you double your money or you lose it all, and those are the only two things that that exist right now. What Symbol is aiming to do is create a longer term platform that allows you to be like, hey, you know what, the Bengals, the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals might not be good right now, but I think they're going to draft Joe Burrow, and in two mm. years, I think they're going to be really good. So I want to buy them now, hold them for two years, and be able to sell them for a profit with the idea that hey, I knew they were going to be good before everyone else did. So the other idea of this stock market for sports introduces a longer term nature to it, essentially, that allows people to invest for you know one day, one week, one month, one year. It's really up to them. And by mm-hmm. doing so, allows people to profit of their sports knowledge in different ways. 
Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting point because I do I do remember that like the the longest the longest long term bet you can make is like just by the end of the season, right? Like who's gonna who's gonna end up with the trophy? And and I do think that there's like some some value in your in your prop- proposition because you're also allowing for uh for um symmetrical payouts meaning that not the one that wins earns all the profits right but second place is also valued higher the third place etc etc so that's an interesting point and 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 i do think that there's value in that i wonder what were some of like different challenges that you faced early on when you started symbol and you started like maybe uh trying to raise capital or maybe maybe there are those are things that you're currently uh, challenged by or challenged with so what what are some of like the challenges that you faced early on maybe that you are also still facing but that you can share with us and how exactly has has have those changed throughout like the time that the pandemic is starting to fade out fade out and that we're getting back to normal yeah absolutely i think there's there's two main challenges that really come to mind the first is whenever you're starting a market-based system whether it be say a, a social media channel or Uh, a market that requires a lot of people like uh, uh, like an eBay or something like that that requires a user base, it's really hard to get enough of a user base to create a really good product, mm-hmm. um, right? So so in our market, we're a peer-to-peer market, meaning if you want to buy a team, you have to buy from someone else and you want to sell a team, you have to sell to someone else. Well, if there's only 50 mm-hmm. people on the platform, it's really hard to find someone else to take the opposite position as you. So that was one real challenge that we had to overcome Um, you know, in a market-based setting is finding that liquidity for people to get in and out of positions right. when they want to. Um, that's, that's still a problem that we're overcoming, right? We've got um, just over a thousand users on the platform now and, and, and growing. Um, so it's still an issue, but we've been able to overcome that. And once we hit the thousand mark, you know, it's been really, really promising from there. So that was right. one side of it. The other side of it is our product is really, really unique in the market. There's nothing that really exists that's directly similar to it. So when onboarding new users to the platform, there was an education barrier that we had to, to solve, mm-hmm. right? Of how do share prices move? What are win payouts? How are, why are those valuable to me? Why should I care about them? Um, just because our platform is a little bit different than say traditional sports gambling or, or even fantasy sports, the education barrier to get people to think right. through like, okay, this is why the share price went up. This is why the share price went down and using those real life examples. Um, you know, that was, there's an education barrier overcome yeah i think that the price of disruption or the price of innovation is that that element of education right that you're talking about that like people haven't really seen this before i I wonder like how much of an effort apple had to do to educate on how or how people should use smartphones right or like with like absolute like touch screens and stuff so like i do think that there's this price it's not gonna be like it's not a it's not a price it's more like a cost cost of innovation equals the cost of education. So how do you get like people involved? How do you get them convinced that this is actually like a, a product that they're going to like? How you actually also get them to advocate for you? So there's like many, many things there, uh, which I do think there are cool challenges to have because that's what that's what happens when you're pioneering and, and trying to, you know, new things. But you, we've been talking a lot about, a lot about the pro- platform, but maybe for those listening that don't really know Uh, how it works or what type of features does the platform have? Let's say I'm a new customer. So what should I, ex- what should I expect if I come, come to Symbol, sign up, uh, create a, uh, an account? Uh, what should I expect? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, our tagline is the best way to describe it. We are the stock market for sports teams. So when you come to our platform, what you're really doing is you're buying and selling these virtual shares 
of professional sports teams. So right now we have NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and college football uh, in the United States. So if you come in, you'll be able to trade these, these shares like you would cryptocurrencies, NFTs, companies in the stock market. So on the platform, there's essentially two ways to make money or lose money on the platform because we are a, a sports gaming platform. Uh, the first is what we call win payouts. So think of it like a dividend from a company. Every time a team you own wins, so say you own a share of the Miami Dolphins on the symbol market, the Sim Dolphins. Every time they win a game, you earn a win payout of 50 cents. So that's 50 cents per share per win for, for, for an indefinite amount of time. What that win payout does, it provides these stock market-like value share prices for every team. So for example, if you think the, the, the New England Patriots are going to win more games than the Miami Dolphins, that means they're going to earn more win payouts, which means their share price should theoretically be higher. So then what happens is as players get traded or drafted or, or injuries or performance, these teams fluctuate in value just like the stock market based on their expectation of being able to earn these wins moving forward. Um, so that's the way you make money or lose money on the platform is if you buy, buy low and sell high on a team, you make money. If you buy high, they get worse and you sell low, then you're going to lose money on the platform. And is that payout ratio like something specific, like 5% of the price of the, of, of the, of, of the stock or, or of the share or like, I, cause I'm trying to relate how, how that ties up comparing it, let's say to the actual stock market that, uh, companies are going to pay maybe a premium higher than the, the, the risk-free Uh, rate from from treasury bills or stuff like what is maybe a classic dividend payout ratio in uh in in symbol yeah absolutely so the way the wind payouts work in the, in the way the dividends are described is they're actually a flat payment no matter what so whether you mm. own a 70 share of the kansas city chiefs or a 30 share of the new york jets it's going to be 50 cents per share so that's a completely flat payout mm. and the reason we decided on that is to make it really simple for the user We didn't want to deal with percentage mm -hmm. yields or, or percentage of share price or anything okay. like that. We want it to be really understandable where, hey, if they win a game, you're going to get 50 cents. And then the user's job is then, okay, what am I willing to pay a share price for? What am I willing to buy a team for? Knowing that if they win one game, I'm going to get 50 cents. If they win 10 games, I'm going to get $5, et cetera. Right. Now, payouts are different for leagues based on the number of games in those leagues. Mm. So for example, NFL 17-game regular season, It's 50 cents per win. Mm. Now in the MLB, there's 162 games. So it's five, uh, five cents per win. And that's just based on the number of games in a season. Gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm, I'm very like in my mind, currently listening to you, I am comparing this project a lot with like new NFT projects and, and uh, the whole like blockchain new ecosystem that allows new projects to be created and they have like these their specific economics related or tied to like cryptos not sure if you guys thought about creating it as a like a crypto project or something um but that's not really my question my my question is more towards like the economics of the platform like if you're thinking about creating a specific amount of shares per team or the specific like how prices are set so maybe maybe guide us through a little bit more on, on like the rationale or the concept of Uh, how many how many shares exist per team? Uh, how many? Uh, what is the price, and why you chose that on on each one of those? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we can we can definitely dive into the blockchain discussion later because that does have an interesting uh, relationship to what we're trying to do. Um, but right now we are Web 2 solution, meaning we have a website. We're actually coming out with an app um, in May, which I, I think we'll talk about later. But 
Yeah, the way the platform works. So when we launch a new league into the market, so for example, NFL, because NFL is my favorite sport. So I'm always biased whenever I give examples. It's always NFL examples. When we launch it, uh, NFL onto the symbol platform, what we did is what we, we called, we created what we call an initial share offering. So we set the prices of, of all the teams uh, in the NFL market. We sold them out into the public. We sold 150 shares of every team uh, out into the market. Um, so the, that's how many shares are outstanding of, of all 32 NFL teams. Now that they're outstanding, they're traded between users. So share price is solely determined by the users in the market. Whatever they're willing to pay for, for uh, a share and whatever someone's willing to sell for a share, that's the price that they agree upon. We don't have any algorithms. We don't set prices. Um, we don't say like, oh, they're four and two. So they go down a dollar share. None of that. It's all based on the supply and demand in the market. So the more people want to buy a share, it's going to go up in value. The more people want to sell a share, it's going to go down in value. So that's how the economics of the share price works is it's all user, user controlled and user dominated eventually. Now, you, you had a good question there of like, okay, we have 150 shares out per, per team and we've got X amount of users. What happens when we get to 100,000 users and 500,000 users and a million users? What happens there? What we'll, what we'll do is called secondary offerings to introduce more shares into the market. So that's our, that's our, that's our growth strategy. Um, that actually hasn't been defined yet on our platform because we're still in a, an early stage of a beta test, but our plan, which you talked about blockchain, which we can dive into, um, is to basically create a white paper, which lays out all the economics, of the platform governed by contracts. Uh, and then that'll be fully outstanding in the, in the market. Yeah. And it's interesting, but it, is there, is there a specific reason why you guys chose 150 shares per team? Or was that just like the number that was probably like the easiest or something? Yeah, the 150 shares per team uh, was twofold. One is we needed to do enough to, it, it was basically the supply and demand question, right? Mm. If, if we started with a thousand shares per team, but only had 500 people on the platform, there just wasn't going to be enough people to buy all right. the shares. So we had to make sure that the shares were able to sell out, um, but also that there were enough to make sure that the prices could move and one person can hold you know, every share in the market, essentially. So we settled right. on, on 150 just as a starting point to make sure that there's enough growth opportunity for more users coming to the market, um, but not so much that was that it was overly flooded. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And in terms of like, let's say, because one one thing in, in, in the stock market that exists is the market cap. That is just the number of uh, shares multiplied by the price of each share. So I, I wonder like, what was the, like, what was the thought process around that? Like, are we gonna set the highest like team market share based on like their, their last rankings from last season? Or are you going to like do it uh, based on some specific like projection based of like sports betting and how they think they're gonna look like in the next couple of years? Like what was the rationale behind uh, pricing and figuring out like how much each team is gonna be, is gonna be valued? Yeah, so during the initial share offering, we did uh, basically a simple present value calculation. So we, we, we use some gambling data, some team data to figure out, you know, what is our projected win total for each of these teams over the next five years? And basically did a discounted cash flow where it's like, okay, if they win 50 games over the next five years, discounted cash flow at the interest rate, and that's the share price. So we just did that very simply for every team. And then we sold them out to the market. Um, you know, some, some teams went up right away in value. Some teams went down right away in value, just based on, you know, pricing inefficiencies. Um, but now once they're out in the market, now, like we said, it's all, all, ba all based on the users. So whatever the users, uh, you know, algorithm or present value calculation or, 
or just gut feel for whatever team should be priced, then that's the price of that team. That's great. That's great. And I'm 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 very curious about uh, specifically the the business model of you guys. Like, how are you planning to to take a share or take specific cut on like trades or like how exactly are you guys planning on on bringing in revenues? And if you already have, how efficient has that been? Yeah, absolutely. We actually we actually are revenue uh, generating already. So we have three, uh, actually we have four main revenue sources. The first two do come from the market. So on our platform, we do take 1% of all trading volume that's done on our platform. Uh, so if you make a hundred dollar trade, we'll take a $1 fee off that, that for revenue uh, generating purposes. Uh, we do also offer a premium subscription called Symbol Gold. What that allows you to do is get uh, free, unlimited free trading all year round. Um, it gives you additional access to, to tools, data, analysis to help you perform better on the market. Um, so those two things do come from the users in the market, both the trading fee and then the subscriptions. And then we have two external uh, uh, revenue generating sources. Uh, first is advertising on the site. Um, so, you know, the, the win payouts that we offer as sort of the reward for being on the platform, we get advertisers to sponsor those. Uh, so brought to you by Fanatics, brought to you by Nike, right? All that stuff. Um, so being able to, to profit off that a little bit, and then also the, the market data itself. So we actually haven't uh, sold that data yet, not the user data, the market data. Um, just want to make that clear. We actually haven't sold that yet, but the, the market data provides really unique insights into how fans feel about certain teams. So for example, the NFL draft is later tonight. We'll see a ton of movement in the NFL market after you know a team trades up and drafts a quarterback, or they trade down, or or you know, a player comes out and gets traded, Debo Samuel, something like that. What our market data provides is an actual number to being like, oh, how, how valuable is that player to that team based on how people are thinking about it? Great example last year is Aaron Rodgers at the draft, uh, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers says, hey, I don't want to play for the Green Bay Packers anymore, right? I'm done. I'm out of it. That night, they fell over 15%. Uh, the, the Sim Packers fell over 15% in our market. Meaning people think that Aaron Rodgers is worth about 15 to 20% of the team's value, right? On, on this stock market for sports. On the flip side of it, the Chicago Bears traded up to draft Justin Fields and they went up just over 10%. Meaning the fans thought that the Justin Fields pick was worth about 10% of value to that share price. That provides really unique insights and data into how fans, kind of a crowdsourcing for, for how fans feel a certain team is performing. Yeah, that's a, a, a it's very creative and the, also the other ones the, the the other three that you mentioned I think they're really creative and that they, they do make sense. Um I'm also very curious uh on in terms of like growth. You spoke a little bit about the app which I do want to look to you to maybe share on the rationale behind okay, why we need an app uh and also like It's 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 actually an interesting question to maybe leave us thinking about. But with the whole like NFTs and blockchain and crypto, don't you think that you're already a little bit late on that? Or you think that that is like you, you guys want to like build it first on a Web2 way that it makes sense to everyone and then jump on that train? Yep, yep, exactly. So uh, right now uh, we are just a, a website, a mobile based website. So you can get to it from your phone or your website. But we are launching a mobile app through iOS App Store, Google Play Store, uh, hopefully uh, middle of May uh, is when we can get it completed and launched by. That's been our number one feedback of people on the site so far. Uh, our feedback so far is like, 
uh, 80% of people who come on absolutely love it. Actually, 85%, we just did a survey. 85% of people absolutely love it. They love the market. They love the win payouts. They love the engagement. Super fun. Number one feedback of every single one of them was, you need an app, you need an app, you need an app. Like I need push notifications. I need easy access, blah, blah, blah. So uh, the app is definitely just to appease the current users and also make it really accessible and mobile to a lot of people. Also create, like I said, push notifications, text notifications, um, that sort of stuff. So the app is going to be really, really cool. Uh, not going to provide too many like brand new features that the website doesn't have, but you know, people love apps and it's right on their phone. So um, we're, we're excited about that. The future we see is for, for symbol and, and honestly for, for sports gambling, for sports gaming, for fancy sports is definitely blockchain technology. That is absolutely the future. And that is what we're, we're planning on, on for the symbol market is transitioning that over. Um, as far as the question on, are we late to the party? The whole market is so unbelievably young that I don't think you, you could consider like, oh, we're late to the party because no one's really done. One, no one has done what we're doing. And two, I think the verdict's still out on sort of the success of, of blockchain apps right now. I definitely think it's the future, but there's no like one blockchain app or, or decentralized app that is absolutely like dominating the, the, the sports space or the play to earn space right. or anything like that. Um, so we're excited to be able to offer that to our users in the future. Yeah, I guess, I guess my question was in terms of like being late, it's more because... If, if you weren't, if, if there was someone already dominating, then it wouldn't even, even be worth it to get in, you know, or like, I don't know, because as you mentioned, like, it's so new and like, there's, there's just so much going on. I just, uh, in my mind, being there and being the one iterating on like data and, and, and trying out new stuff and seeing what resonates and building community and stuff that probably is what takes time and not really the like best practices although i don't know like maybe no one really knows so it's going to be up to like the air but i do think that you guys are doing it well by just building a, a, a plat a, a product and then putting it out in a market that can scale properly through an app and then you know maybe transition that into into the blockchain uh what's your what's your perspective like what's your vision on sports investment markets do you think this can scale into different uh, verticals? Or do you think that the sports investment market, because I wrote about this, uh, probably you saw my article, I wrote about this, that there's very few limited ways in which you can invest and people in public can invest in sports. That is either through like stocks uh, on, on, on the stock market, uh, through venture capital, if you have a lot of money or private equity, if you have tons of tons of money, or you can buy also a team if you have like, if you're a billionaire or something, which uh, most likely you're not. Um, but I wish. What, what, I wish. what is your vision for, for, um, for that? What, what's going to happen? Is that something that fans need, that fans want, and that fans are going to figure out how to get throughout through platforms like yours? Or do you have like a specific like other type of vision for that? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a great question. I think we're in a really interesting time right now with, with sort of the blockchain Web3 stuff and the way ownership is starting to change, specifically digital ownership. Um, you know, five years ago, only, only a few early adopters knew what NFTs are, and now they're, they're common, you know, or they're becoming more and more common in the industries. And this idea of, of digital ownership has completely, uh, is completely disrupting the gaming industry specifically right now, right? If you think about like Fortnite and like the skins, it used to be that skins were just something that existed on the platform. And now they're becoming NFTs where you can earn that skin and then be able to sell it for a profit or a game like Axie Infinity, where it's a, um, uh, you know, it's a play to earn a blockchain game where instead of just playing like World of Warcraft, you're basically playing World of Warcraft, but with a chance to earn money on it, which is a completely different mindset than I think existed 10 years ago. 
people are doing stuff with the intention of getting ownership and, and actually being able to profit off that. And I think sports are no different. I think, especially in the United States with sports gambling becoming more and more legal, I think there's two sides of it. One side is, is people look at it as a really, way, a really great way of entertaining themselves. Ah, this game's not interesting to me. I'm going to throw $10 down because it makes it more interesting when I have money on the line, right? So the entertainment aspect, but also the fan ownership aspect and engagement aspect of like, hey, I, I, I bleed Green Bay Packers, green and yellow colors. I love the Green Bay Packers, right? I buy jerseys. I go to games. I buy, you know, I buy tickets. I buy memorabilia. All of that stuff, it costs me money. And I think the world is starting to change a little bit is where like, what if I can actually profit off my fandom? What if I can profit off my sports knowledge, the amount of time I spend reading about sports, thinking about sports, like watching sports. What if there's a way I could actually turn that into a profit? And I think the sports industry is going to start going that way with NFTs, with sports gambling, with peer-to-peer betting exchanges, with a stock market for sports. And I think that's where the future is of fandom is, is creating these really engaged fan communities around this idea of like a play to earn model or a fan to earn model, where if you're a, enough of a fan and you don't know about sports, you can actually profit off that knowledge. Um, that's what I'm most excited about for, for the sports community moving forward. Yeah. It's the whole like new concepts opening up so many different business models and opportunities for platforms and, and companies like symbol, which makes it super exciting. And your vision sounds pretty much, you know, to the point and, And very exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen with you guys in a couple of years. Uh, lastly, last before, uh, before we go, um, I have a personal question for you because that's, that's the way we also wrap it up here on the halftime snacks. Um, the, the one I have for you, it's maybe an interesting one. Suppose you'd be running for president, Kenneth, of the United States of America. What would be the main reason why people should vote for Mr. Kenneth Giles? Oh, wow. If I was running for president of the United States, what would be the reason you vote for me? I'm not 75 years old. That's the number one pitch right now in the United States, right? Whether it be, you know, we're not getting into politics. I don't want to pick a side, but my pitch is I'm not 75 years old and I'm competent. So there we go. Take that for what you will. But I think that'd be the biggest pitch right now that Americans are looking for. very much for tuning in if you enjoyed this episode hit the subscribe button and leave a review on apple podcasts if you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports make sure you subscribe to the sports tech biz newsletter i'll leave the link in the show notes see you all next week bye bye